uh, the teaching live. So um, that's just an opportunity to get involved. All right, well, let's open up to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. I don't know if it's been like this for you, but I feel like time has been just flying by really quickly. We're already on our third consecutive Sunday uh, here in Nuuanu. It seems like uh, yesterday that we were just doing once a uh, month services here. And so it's crazy just how fast the, the weeks and the months are going by. There's this saying that the days are long, but the, the years are, 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 are short. And I really definitely feel that for myself. I feel like we just celebrated Christmas. And Christmas and the holidays are just coming right around the corner again. In fact, uh, Costco and other stores does a great job reminding us of the holidays. Uh, I was there a few weeks ago, and the Christmas decorations and toys are already there at Costco, and it's not even November. And so when I go shopping with the kids, I tend to quickly go past those aisles because uh, if not, there's going to be a lot of desires, a lot of asking me of stuff if, if they see all of the toys uh, that the store has, right? Because it's oftentimes when we see something, when we see uh, some kind of item, see some some kind of like tech thing, uh, see some kind of outfit that we end up wanting it, right? Before that, we didn't see it, we didn't want it, but when we see it, we want it. Or when we see other people with stuff uh, that that we think, oh man, that'd be kind of cool if we actually had it. Because we see other people enjoying it. And that's kind of what it was like in the church in Corinth. There were people uh, looking around the church at different spiritual gifts. And uh, some of them didn't have ones that they wanted. The church was oftentimes overvaluing uh, certain spiritual gifts, and like the gift of tongues that we're going to see, and at the same time undervaluing other spiritual gifts, rather than focusing on using the spiritual gifts to serve each other. And so when uh, Paul wrote this letter, right, we would think that, that Paul's message to them would, would basically be, man, just be content with the gift you got. Whatever gift God gave you, just be happy with it. And in, in one sense, Paul does say that. Where he talks about the Spirit is the one who gives spiritual gifts to each uh, individual. But on the other hand, as we're going to see today, Paul wants them, the Corinthian church, he wants them to want more spiritual gifts. And we're going to see he wants us to want more spiritual gifts. Because having more gifts is a way that we can build up the church in a variety of ways. It's like having more tools in your toolbox to use. And so that's what we're going to be zeroing in on today. Focusing on building up the church, but in particular with the words that we use. Paul says in verse 1, in chapter 14, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. All right. So the question is then, okay, what is prophecy? Right, to have the gift of prophecy from the Spirit, it, it's different from being appointed a prophet like in Old Testament times. It's different. Right, in the Old Testament, right, there were messengers from God, and some of them, right, had their words written down and preserved. And we have that in our Bibles today, right? And these words that God gave the prophets that they wrote down that we know to be books of the Bible, right, they hold authority over our li lives and our practices, right? 
We consider them in inspired and have authority over our lives. We're to obey them. The gift of prophecy, which we're going to read about in chapter 14, uh, it doesn't have that same kind of weight to it. Uh, one writer, Wayne Grudem, he uh, gives a helpful, I think a helpful explanation to the New Testament gift of prophecy. He writes that prophecy is, and I have it quoted here, it's telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. It, it can be a specific passage of the Bible uh, that you apply to another person's life. It could be speaking uh, into a certain circumstance that another brother or sister is going through and the Lord spontaneously brings to mind some wisdom that, that he uses you to speak into their lives. And the thing about this gift of prophecy, right? Paul wants us to want this gift, right? Uh, not only that, but the way that it's worded in this chapter, he goes a step further, right? He doesn't just wish us to have the gift, right? He commands us to desire the spiritual gifts, right? Because it's a good thing. It is good to want more spiritual gifts. And in this context, in this case, prophecy, he wants us and commands us, right, to desire spiritual gifts, now, there's, I think, a lot of reasons why people may not want the gift of prophecy. Uh, for some people, right, they just didn't know that you could desire them. Right? Maybe for a lot of us, we thought, you know, we should be content with whatever spiritual gift that we have, and God gave it to us, and so that's kind of it. Uh, but Paul is, is, is not saying that you should want more gifts. He's saying that you should want more spiritual gifts. Right, another reason that we may not, ask for the gift of prophecy, is uh, some people, right, disregard this gift. They disregard this gift. Uh, for some people, they think uh, the gift of prophecy is no longer around anymore, that God stopped giving this particular gift out. Like, it was only for the first century church, church just to kind of get them started, to give them a little boost, a little introductory gift. But as the church got established, and centuries later, God said, nope, this is one gift that I'm not going to, I'm not going to give this gift anymore, along with healing and, and some of the other more miraculous gifts. I'm just not going to give it anymore. But the thing is, right, there's nowhere in the Bible, and Paul certainly never says that God stopped giving certain gifts, like the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy. Nor in the Bible does God say, I'm not going to give this gift anymore. So I, I believe we should assume that this gift is still active today, and God still gives the gift of prophecy. Others also disregard the gift of prophecy because of how it's been practiced. In the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul told the church to not despise prophecy. To not despise prophecy. Right? Because it is a temptation to do that. To kind of not think much of it. Think, ah, that's, that's nothing that's, that's made up. Uh, to despise the gift. Right? Maybe you've had experiences with other Christians or in, in a church setting where uh, they claim to have a message from God specifically to you, but it didn't come true. Or maybe that message that someone shared um, either maybe contradicted biblical principles and truths about God, or maybe it seemed like they're trying to get something out of you. They're trying to manipulate you through saying that God spoke to them to give a message to you. 
I shared a story, I think a few months ago, uh, that was the case with one of my friends. Uh, a guy approached her, uh, another Christian, and, and said that, he said to her, God told me that we're supposed to be together. Now here's the thing, he ended up dating somebody else a little while later. So I don't think that was a prophecy that the Lord gave to him, but maybe just kind of him kind of using, using God to get, some, to get someone that he wanted. Right, because here's the thing, right, and people can misuse and abuse and, and manipulate saying that, right, is when, when, when someone says, God told me to you, right, that puts you in a tough spot, right, because if you don't listen to them, that's as if you are disobeying God, right, and so people can use that. I think some do it out of good, you know, good intentions, but others can actually use that to, uh, to trap someone, to make someone uh, feel like they have to listen to that person. They, they can use it to manipulate people. And so uh, maybe because of bad experiences, right, you uh, uh, or others disregard this gift of prophecy. You know, they don't even, we don't even want to get near it. You don't want to have the gift nor, you know, uh, be around people that, that claim to have the gift. But here's the thing, right, we should desire this gift because that's what Paul says, that we should desire the gift, the spiritual gifts, and in this case, the gift of prophecy. Why? Why should we want more gifts? Because we're able to serve one another in, in a variety of ways when we have spiritual gifts. Think about it like this, right? Uh, you know, when you're going, as you're going shopping for Christmas, I know some of you have already bought your Christmas gifts. Some of you are like that, right? Others of us, we wait last minute. Some of us bought our gifts already. Right? When, we're, when we're buying gifts for a loved one, for a friend, right, we want to get them something new a lot of the time. Right? We want to bless them in a new kind of way, with a new kind of gift. And so think about that like with the spiritual gifts. If we have more spiritual gifts, that means we can bless and serve other Christians in a, in a different kind of way. In a different kind of way. It's just a more variety more angles that we can serve other people, more ways that we can build up the church and love the church. So Paul goes on and he says this in verse 2, For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. But since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks uh, to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, I come to you speaking in tongues. If I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you Unless I, you, uh, unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, how will it be spoken? Who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you um, use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will... What is spoken be known, for you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if you do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. 
All right, so Paul is zeroing in on two specific gifts, right? Tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. To speak in tongues is to speak praises to God in other human, human languages. We see that in Acts chapter 2, where the apostles were given the ability to praise God in a language they didn't know. But the gift of tongues seems to also be an ability to speak in angelic languages. And Paul kind of references to that in 1 Corinthians 13, where he said, if I speak in the angelic languages, but I don't have love, right, I'm a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. So, the gift of tongues seems to be an ability also not to speak in just other languages you did not learn, human languages, but also heavenly, angelic languages that the speaker does not know. And Paul says here that unless there's someone among you who is gifted in interpreting, interpreting what is spoken, that tongue, then the person that's speaking in tongues right, has nothing to say that can build up others. And so Paul gives a couple comparisons, right? He uses musical instruments, for example. Or you can blow, you can take a flute and you can blow into it, right? But that, that flute is just going to be noise unless you're playing actual notes and you're involved in maybe some kind of band or symphony to enjoy. By itself, playing without notes, just blasting it, it's just noise. That's what tongues is. It's just noise. And he gave a second example, going to war, right? And, and they use the bugle. And as that, that instrument is sounded, it's in order to prepare for battle. But if the sound is unclear, if you're not blowing it properly, the army would miss out on that mobilization. They wouldn't know that, that, that they need to be prepared and get ready because the sound is not distinct. So speaking in tongues without an interpreter is like that. It's a whole bunch of noise, but it doesn't do any good to people around. And Paul is, is not saying that tongues is a junk gift. He's not putting tongues down, right? He tells the church, I, I wish you all spoke in tongues, right? And that implies that not all of the Corinthians spoke in tongues. So that also means, right, maybe, maybe a Christian came to you and said, you know, unless you speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Well, here in the church, there were Christians in the church who could not speak in tongues. Not every Christian speaks in tongues. But Paul's saying, right, I wish you all did. Right, so Paul is not belittling the gift of tongues, but he's saying that if there's no interpreter and you're in a gathering, then the tongues is just making noise. So desire the gifts that build up the church while you're with the church. So how do we then grow in this gift of prophecy? Should the Lord give it to us? Well, the first is to ask. Ask God for the gift of prophecy. Ask him. We already know that God wants us to desire spiritual gifts. Maybe you've desired the gift of healing. Ask God for it. Maybe you desire the gift of tongues. Ask God for it. The gift of leadership. Ask God for it. Right? There's no shame in asking because God said, ask. So ask the Lord for the gift of prophecy. And then second, serve God with the words. With, the wor with our words. And we'll, we'll look at what that looks like. Now, we might think, okay, but if I don't have the gift of prophecy, how can I serve people with my words? How can I practice a gift that I don't have? Well, I want us to think about spiritual gifts like this. Right? There are other spiritual gifts that we don't have, we, pro we may not have, but we are supposed to practice it anyway. For example, right, Romans talks about the gift of giving. Right, there's a gift of giving. 
Yet, according to the Bible, right, all of us are to be generous givers. There's a gift of mercy, yet all Christians are to be practicing mercy. There's a gift of wisdom, the gift of hospitality, and the gift of service. And all of these gifts, right, we're, we're commanded in the Bible to be hospitable. We're commanded to serve others. Right? God wants us to grow in wisdom, and yet they are also spiritual gifts. Now, we might think, okay, what about the more, what some would consider the miraculous gifts? What about those? What about the gift of healing? Right? Have you ever prayed for someone in your life? Uh, maybe they're sick, and you ask God to heal them. Right? Did you ever think to yourself, wait, do I have the gift of healing? If I don't, then maybe I shouldn't pray for healing. No, we, we, none of us think like that, right? We just think, okay, they're sick. I'm going to ask God to pray for them, to heal them. We might have the gift. We might not have the gift. But yet we still pray, right, for healing. And I think we can do that with the gift of prophecy. We might not have the gift, but God still might use us to speak into other people's lives. Well, how does that look? Well, I think we look at verse 3. Paul says, right, he talks about speaking to strengthen and to encourage and to console, consolation. Well, this is not an exhaustive definition of what prophecy does, but these are three descriptions of three types of actions that Christians, that we are to practice towards each other, whether or not we have the gift of prophecy. It's just that some people who have the gift of prophecy when they do this, it seems that, right, it, it has an extraordinary effect. While others of us who don't have the gift, we're still supposed to practice it, and God still uses it. So let's look at each of these three, three actions. Right, the first is to strengthen. Right, so we're to use our words to strengthen others. So that's the, the first point up here on the screen, to strengthen others. That word strengthen, it's a word of construction. Uh, it's used in, in building, building terms. We are to build one another up in our faith in Jesus. One way we do that is uh, we strengthen others by digging into God's word and then uh, with our experience of God's word and God's truth, applying it to other people's lives, to the people around us. Right, there are times when right, we, we're praying for specific individuals and maybe a particular passage comes to mind. A particular Bible verse that, that really relates to what that person is going through. And, and that could be an opportunity where God might be leading you to, to share that particular truth of God's word uh, to that brother or sister in the Lord. And to share it in a humble way. In a humble way. A few years ago, I was in the, in the mainland uh, for like a pastor-type training, and uh, Trisha and I were, were, were talking with another couple, and um, this one particular pastor really spoke, I believe the Lord used him to speak into my life as, as we were trying to serve our, our, our kids better. Um, uh, this one particular pastor shared, shared some truth about God's Word, uh, about our, uh, just how I can be loving and, and serving the kids, and 
And when he shared it, I, I never thought about serving the kids in, in that kind of way in our home setting. And so I, I and, and when we got home, we, we immediately put it to practice. And I think, and I believe that the Lord used that individual to help build up my love for my family, to help build up just how, how to wisely uh, serve my family. I think the Lord used that person uh, in order to strengthen my faith in Jesus. And so the Lord, at time, I believe, will give us wisdom to, uh, that, that we can uh, bless and serve and share with other people uh, in our community group, in our circle of friends, uh, that can help build up their love and their faith in Jesus. So looking for ways to strengthen others with our words through passages of the Bible, through maybe speaking into a, a specific situation that our friend is going through. A second way we use our words is to encourage. We're all Christians are supposed to encourage one another, right? Encouragement, right, is to give courage uh, to someone uh, in their belief or in their actions. They might be hesitant or doubting or unsure of a belief about God or in action that they should do. So for example, in Hebrews chapter 6, examples of encouragement. Encouragement to hold on to God's promises. The Hebrew writer writes, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath of promise. So that with this promise, two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie and then second, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. That's the same word. Encouragement to what? Where the Hebrew writer is encouraging the church to seize the hope set before them, right? The gospel, to seize Christ. See, the church was wavering in their trust in Jesus as their ultimate hope. They were tempted to go back to the, the Old Testament sacrificial system as their hope. And the Hebrew writer is saying, no, you're not going to find your hope in sacrifice of animals. Your hope is in Christ. So he's encouraging them in an area where their faith in Jesus is starting to slip, is being shaky. And so, so to encourage other people is to encourage them in a belief about who God is or what God has done. It's an, also an encouragement for someone uh, to, to step into an action, maybe that they're, they're hesitant to step into. And God will use that, right, to, to embolden them, to trust in the Lord, or to retrust in who God is. When I was in college, there was a time where I remember I was just doubting God's love for me, uh, really discouraged. I felt distant from God and uh, confused about my own life. And I remember sitting in my living room. I was living with my, my parents at the time. And as I was just sitting in my living room, just kind of feeling down, um, my, my dad came walking down the steps uh, in our two-story um, um, townhouse that we're living in. Came walking down the steps. And he came up to me and he said, John, I just want to let you know that God loves you. And then he just went back upstairs. Now, he doesn't have a habit of doing that. He doesn't have a habit of doing that. And um, I, and that encouraged me so much because that's what I was uh, really thinking about that day. It was like, man, God, do you love me? And I feel really confused about my life, really discouraged. And I believe that the Lord used my dad to speak a word of encouragement to me where my faith was shaky and, and, and wobbly. And my dad came and spoke 
spoke words of encouragement that I believe the Lord put on his heart. And so we are to right, speak words of encouragement to those maybe who are doubting, wavering in their trust in the Lord, or wavering in a, a sort of action uh, that they are to take. Maybe, maybe it's in the workplace, or it's something to do in their family or in relationships, where, where you know the right thing to do, but they're just wavering in doing it. And maybe the Lord has put it upon your heart right, to, to really gently and lovingly encourage them of the blessings of stepping out in faith, of the joy of obeying God, and of the hope that and the promise of the Spirit will give them everything they need in that situation that seems really intimidating. And the Lord may use you to speak those words of encouragement uh, to that individual. So we are to speak words that bring strength, words that bring encouragement, and third, words that bring consolation. Another word for that is comfort. That's the third way that we can speak to others, that the Lord uses us. There are others, we're just going to zero in on this passage, to comfort. Right, there are times where, as, as believers, right, we will go through times of loss and suffering. There are times we will experience anxiety and depression. And the Lord often will use his people to bring comfort to us in special and unique ways where we couldn't do it to ourselves. Right, have you ever had a time where you're going through a hard situation, you're feeling really depressed and down, and then someone shared with you, maybe it was a passage from the Bible, a story from the Bible, or just a word, uh, a word to you that, that uh, gave you so much comfort? They just spoke to you in your situation and, and you gave you a totally new perspective on how to look at your suffering. I know that's happened to me. Right? A lot of times when we're going through suffering, when we're depressed or anxious, right, we can't see out of our limited perspective. It's like we're trying to see the Pacific Ocean, but we're on the ground level of a building. And what God will do often, I find, is he will use other people uh, who are not on the ground floor with us in our situation, but they're on the top floor they're on the rooftop being able to see the Pacific Ocean way up there. And so they're able to share a, a, a perspective and a sight that we who are on the ground floor are just unable to see. Right? And when they share that encouragement in that hard situation, like you totally just light up and say, wow, like, that's so in encouraging. That's so comforting. I, I, I never thought to think of it that way. Or you ever had a time where they'll share even a passage from the Bible that you've memorized. Uh, that you, you've read and you've heard over and over again. But when they share it at that particular time, the Lord uses that specific time and those words, that same passage that you've, you've memorized, but to strike you in a way that, that, that brings the flood of comfort and a flood of hope. And I know God's used that with the most popular of verses to just bring comfort and hope through somebody else. And so ask the Lord for opportunities to, to be used to speak words of comfort and strength and encouragement to other followers of Jesus. And finally, right, in, in order for all of this to happen, in order uh, for us to be able to bless each other with our words, we have to be present. We have to be present in the lives of others. Right, the church in Corinth, they were present. Right? As Paul was talking about, when you're gathered together, right, practice, right, uh, uh, bless each other uh, with these words. Now, God can use right, communication, written communication, like emails and text messages, 
phone calls and video conversations, right? God uses all those things. But there's something special about being in the same room as someone else, as speaking with each other face to face. And just as God is present with us by his spirit, we too are we're to be present with one another, both to give and receive words that build one another up. See, when we're, when we're separate, when we're disconnected from each other, we miss out on so many blessings that God wants us to experience from other people. And on the other hand, right, other people miss out on all the blessings that we could give to them when we're not with them. And so we're to be right, present and active uh, in each other's lives, whether it be formally through church gatherings, through community groups, through women's uh, uh, fellowships, uh, to, uh, to informal times when we get together for some coffee or for lunch or for dinner or just hanging out, right? Look for opportunities where we can be sharing these gifts of, of, of words to one another. Because when we're present in people's lives, we are the body of Christ, right? The Lord uses us to share the love of Christ with one another, because that's what God did with us, right? God spoke uh, into existence the heavens and the earth, but he didn't just speak from the heavens. He also came down. Jesus left heaven and came to earth and dwelt among humanity and spoke and gave words while in relationship with others. And, and we are to do the same. So I just want to encourage us, right, to be connected, to be involved in the lives of one another and pray that the Lord would use us to, to grow in speaking these words that give life uh, to one another. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for uh, this, this gift. And we pray that, Lord, all of us would have it. All of us would operate in it and, and, and speak words of encouragement and strength words that bring comfort to one another. Help us to grow in this and, and to do it humbly, at the same time boldly, knowing that you want us to want this gift and uh, to, to desire the other spiritual gifts and to, to practice them, Lord, to build up your church whom you died for, Lord Jesus. And we ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.